What's up, everybody? My name is Shane Kohler, and this is The Conscious Love Show. Thanks so much for joining me here, where each week I'm sharing true-to-life insights and experiences from my journey and how I've created the loving and committed partnership I have today. I answer your questions and have live discussions with you so I can support you in your specific situation. And I bring in experts and people who know their stuff so we can all learn from their perspectives. Thanks again for checking out the show. Please subscribe on whatever platform you listen to podcasts on the most. And I would love it so much if you'd leave a review and tell people what you think of us. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram at The Living Relationship to connect more closely. And I'm grateful to be supporting you on your journey to love. Okay. Hello, everybody. Hello. Welcome back to the show. Uh, Shane Kohler here. Excited to be back after a couple weeks off and uh, moving into my house and, and getting things set up. But we're getting a little established now, and it's it's great to be back. I've been really looking forward to this. And today's topic, um, I'll just say the topic is how to leverage your spiritual power to manifest love. And I'm really excited about this topic. And I think, I mean, several reasons, but one of the reasons I think is just because, you know, this is the conversation that I love so much. I love this, you know, really knowing how to tap into what's really like a superpower. You know, it's, it's kind of like when you, when you find the secret to life, and, and you learn how to manifest and, and, you know, you learn, it's not like I don't have problems. I mean, I have all kinds of problems, but, but my problems aren't as big as they used to be. And I think the reason my problems are not as big as they used to be is because I'm tapped into something that I didn't used to have. And, you know, it's like when you find the secret to life and it works for you, you just want to share it with everyone. And so underneath, you know, we talk a lot about dating. We talk a lot about relationships and trauma and narcissism and, you know, all this, all this stuff. But, but underneath all of this, for me anyway, there's a, there's a message of spiritual empowerment. And this, this, whole, this whole message that I'm sharing on this podcast and on Instagram is, is really about, you know, being connected to the most authentic aspects of who you are. And it's like, it's like pulling a power that is greater than this world or outside of this world and being able to bring that power and channel it through you into this world. And doing that, it, it really is like a superpower. Um, you know, your, your ability to do that, you, you create a level of confidence that most people don't have. You create a level of security within yourself that, you know, most people are very insecure and not, I'm not just talking about like insecure about like, I don't think I'm worthy or I, I don't think I'm capable or like not, not even that kind of insecure, but most people just have a feeling of insecurity. Like I don't feel safe. I don't feel like, like things are okay in my life. I feel like the sky's falling. I feel like the rug is about to be ripped out from under me at every moment. And most of us constantly live with this like impending sense of anxiety or like the rug is about to be pulled out from under us, or like the sky is about to fall. And all of our problems can be solved by a deep, heartfelt spiritual connection. And I know some of you are going to hear that, and you're going to roll your eyes at it, and you're going to be like, okay, whatever, another God person talking about, you know, and, and if that's where you are, that's okay. And you don't have to listen to this if you don't want to. 
But some of you are going to hear that and you're going to feel a call in your heart to connect more spiritually, to develop a, a deeper heartfelt connection to your source, to the place that you come from. And that's who I'm speaking to with today's episode. Today's episode is really about being informed by the greatest aspects of who you are and, and having that information. Like I said, it's like it comes from outside of this world, but you bring it into this world and you bring it through you and you're able to channel it into this world. And this is how you manifest. This is how you create. But it's not just about getting things you want. And I, I actually, I think the reason manifestation doesn't work for people is because they don't go beyond the level of just trying to get what I want. And manifestation doesn't work at the level of trying to get what you want. You know, if you go read a book like The Secret or, you know, some of these, uh, and, uh, these aren't bad books necessarily, but but people take these things like it's like it's a magic pill to get everything I want. And I mean, the principles, in a sense, they, they are like a, a magic spell to get what you want. If you live and embody the principles, they do work that way. But the thing is, is you can't fake it. You can't fake manifestation because the way manifestation works is things manifest as a reflection of who you are. They manifest as a reflection of this, the dominant energy that you embody. And that's something you can't fake. So if you want to manifest love, if you want to manifest abundance, I mean, if you want to manifest anything in your life, you can't just try this stuff on like a, like a pill to get what you want, like, like just a magic spell to get what you want. You can't just try this on like that. You've got to actually take it on for real. You've got to have your vibration become the vibration that, that will reflect in those things you want in love and abundance and in, in joy and in, in friendship and connection, right? Like you've got to become the vibration that will translate into those things. And I think a lot of us really underestimate what that journey is. You know, if you read a book like Abraham Hicks or, or again, The Secret or, or some of these things, like they, they make it sound really easy. And it, it's not that it's, it's not that it's hard necessarily, but it's that it, it is, it is really the greatest challenge of our whole lives, right? It, it like, to, to raise your vibrational state, to, to have your core vibration reflect more love and less fear, more surrender, less control, more trust, less fear, less shame, right? Like that, that is the life journey that we're all on. And so it's not like, okay, I'm just going to raise my vibration and get everything I want. Like when we talk about doing that, you're really talking about walking a profound spiritual path and integrating the lessons in a really deep way. And it's like, it's like the fire of purification in a way, like you're going to experience a good amount of suffering on the journey. And that suffering is going to root out all of the impurities that are within you. And, and when those impurities are kind of rooted out, that's going to naturally allow your vibration to raise. So this, this conversation of raising your vibration manifestation, yeah, it's real. It's true. It works, but it, it is a life journey and it is the greatest journey that any of us will undertake on this planet. 
right? So it's not like, oh, I'm just going to go read a book and then I'm going to do these practices. And I'm going to make my gratitude list and then I'm going to have everything I want. Like, no, it, it doesn't work like that. And people who try to use it like that, they go, well, oh, it didn't work for me. So I guess it doesn't work. It's all a bunch of BS. And so in this conversation about how to leverage your spiritual power to manifest love, I'm going to talk about this true process, which is a lifetime process of connecting to a greater energy, connecting to our source, connecting to the the spirit that we are made of, the spirit that we come from, and bringing that through us and out, out through us and into our lives and expressing that in the world so our lives can show up as a reflection of that energy. And that is the true process of manifestation. So to start here, I just want to break down some like fundamental, basic, like spiritual concepts, because I think some of you who listen to this, you might just need some of this groundwork for the conversation to really make sense. So the first thing I want to say is that if you, if you take my inspired love program, which by the way, let me just say this now as we're, as we're leading up to it, um, we just finished the last uh, the last inspired love program that finished last Wednesday, we had an amazing group. I think we had like 35 people in there, just an incredible group of ladies. They, they were amazing. I mean, the vulnerability and the sharing and the connection and the support was just phenomenal. It was off the charts. It was an incredible, incredible group. And, um, and, uh, anyway, I'm, I'm bringing this up to say that the next group is going to open for enrollment on June 1st. So those of you who may be interested or thinking about it, I just want you to kind of have that in your mind. Um, June 1st, we are going to open up for enrollment. So, um, you know, if you want to do that, just, you know, kind of plan for it and and get your mind thinking about that. Um, But that being said, in, in the program, one of the things we talk about are the different dimensions of human experience. And I say that we are all multi multi-dimensional beings, right? And just to, just to uh, just to kind of give you a, a, an idea of what I mean by that, right? Well, you can you can very easily identify that you exist in four dimensions right now. You have the dimension of your body, your physical reality. Okay, your your body is a part of the physical reality. So the world you see, you look around, the room you're in, the table you're sitting at, the the cup of coffee you have in front of you, like all of that is your physical reality, and your body is a part of that. So your body is a part of this physical reality. And then your body is enlivened or animated by an energy that comes from somewhere else. That's why when someone dies, it's like whatever was animating them has left, but their body's still here, right? It's not like their body disappears when they die. Why? Because their body is a part of the physical reality. And what animates the body is something that comes from somewhere else. So you have your body, which is one dimension of reality. You have your emotions, which are another dimension of reality. Your emotions are a whole realm of reality on their own. You have your mind, which is its own reality. Like personally, in, in my in my understanding of the way life works and in the things I've studied and, and learned about, like the mind does not die when the body dies. Okay, so the the mind withdraws itself from the body the mind transports itself to another place. And so the, the consciousness that is the mind will then experience itself in a different realm of reality. But the body stays here as a part of the physical reality while the mind moves on. Okay, so your mind is another dimension of reality. 
the uh, the spirit, the spirit, which is the source, it's the essence, it's the it's the foundation of all of it, right? So the spirit is its own dimension reality. So if you just look at that, like even even just you could look and you say, okay, I exist in a physical plane, I exist in an emotional plane, I exist in a mental plane, I exist in a spiritual plane. That's four dimensions right there that we all inhabit all the time. Now, as a part of the physical plane, we develop the physical mind. Okay, so you have what I'll call the higher mind. And the higher mind is the mind that is reflective of spirit. Okay, so it's the mind that comes from spirit. It's like the God-created mind, if you want to think about it like that. Then you have the physical mind, which is the body-created mind. So you have the higher mind, the mind created by spirit that exists before the body. Then you have the physical mind, which exists as a part of the body. The physical mind is the same thing as the ego. So many of you have heard me talk about the ego before. The physical mind is the same thing as the ego. Now, what happens when we are born into this world and it's it's largely because of our conditioning. I would say it's it's... It's actually 100% because of our conditioning. Because I want you to imagine that if you were born into a family where from the time you were a little baby, you were taught about your spiritual reality. You were taught to meditate. You were taught to have a dialogue with your higher self, right? You were taught to recognize the ego for what it was and detach from it, right? Like if, if you had been taught all of this from the time you were a little kid, then your connection to your spiritual self would be off the charts. I mean, you would, you would literally be like an angelic being. You would literally like, I mean, your experience of yourself and, and your spirituality would be on a whole other level. But what happens in this world, in this reality that we're born into, because it's so toxic, like just to put it frankly, because this world is so toxic and so disconnected from spirit and so disconnected from the truth of who we are that when we are born into this world, we get coached out of our spirituality. We get coached out of our true essence. So in this world, we are actually taught how to be a body. And we're taught to make our bodies look really nice and to try to be the most attractive body and to be the strongest body and to have our body be better than other people's bodies, right? Like we are, we are literally taught in this reality how to be a body. And so from the time we're born and, and like, you know, this, like those of you who have kids, tell me your kids aren't the most spiritual beings you've ever met in your life. I mean, like I, I've literally seen kids sitting there like talking to thin air and you'd be like, who are you talking to? And they'd be like, oh, an angel was here. And an angel came to visit me. And you'd be like, oh, that's nice. And you just kind of laugh about it. Like, no, your kid was probably really talking to an angel. Why? Because your kid is connected. They haven't been programmed the way you have. But as they get older, they will become programmed. And they will start to think that all those things they were connected to when they were children were just a part of their imagination. And they will start to think that all of the, all of the deep heartfelt insights that they had were misguided and that they need to subordinate those for something that the world is teaching them. Because this is what we all learn in childhood. We learn how to disconnect from spirit and become a body. 
And so by the time we reach adulthood or even teenage years, what has happened for all of us is we've, in a very real way and in a very strong way, we've disconnected from our essence. We've disconnected from our spirit. We've disconnected from our source, from the place we come from. And we've developed a very strong ego. The ego is the physical mind, okay? So the ego is the mind and the identity that develops around the body. Okay, the higher mind exists before the body. The physical mind or the ego exists from the body. It, it is made up around the body. So the, once the body is born, we then develop a mind around the body and an identity around the body, and we start to think that's who we are. So from the time we're born into this world, we disconnect from spirit, we disconnect from truth, we disconnect from our essence, we develop an identity and a mind around our body, and we think that's who we are. And so by the time you're an adult, unless you were very, very fortunate and you were raised in a very connected spiritual community, you have really no awareness of yourself outside of your body. And most of us who even grew up in church, like most churches are not really teaching this stuff. So most churches actually strengthen the body identification rather than the spirit identification. And I'm not going to go into that because that's, that's a whole other topic. But I just want to say that most of us who were raised in church, like that didn't really help us connect to spirit. It, it, it often helped us connect more to our physical reality and our ego. And so now what we, what we, where we find ourselves as, as grown adults is with this very overactive ego and the ego is based in fear. Okay. The ego is a survival mechanism. And so you were born to parents who had very strong, very overdeveloped egos themselves. And it wasn't their fault because they were born to parents who had very strong, overdeveloped egos themselves. And, and the cycle just keeps perpetuating, okay? When, when we talk about generational trauma, this is what generational trauma is. It's a very strong, overdeveloped ego teaching someone else to strengthen and overdevelop their ego. And we just pass it on from generation to generation to generation. And yes, this often involves all kind of abuse because the that's all part of the ego, right? Like all the trauma and all the abuse, it's all part of the ego because it's all based in fear. So the ego is based in fear because the ego is a survival mechanism, right? So the ego, I often talk about it like this. It's like the ego within this world, it's necessary because you have a body and the body can die. The body can be injured. You know, you could, you could get your head chopped off or you could break your leg or, you know, like there, there is real danger to the body. There's no danger to the spirit. The spirit doesn't know fear because there's no danger to the spirit. But the body does know fear because there is danger to the body. And this is what the ego is. It is this mind that develops around the body in an attempt to keep it safe. And so the moment you're born into a body, you feel all kinds of things that you did not feel as spirit. You have all kinds of senses and sensations that were not there as spirit. You feel cold. You feel nervous. You feel lonely. Like these are all things that spirit just never feels, never experiences. But as a body, you feel these things. You experience them. 
And when you start to feel cold, the body has this need for comfort, right? So you feel cold and the body says, help me stay warm. And so you develop this ego that is always trying to meet the needs of the body. So you feel cold, the ego tries to find a way to make you warm. You feel lonely, the ego tries to find a way to connect to someone else. And on and on and on. And the ego is this mechanism that is a part of the body that is designed to try to keep it safe. Now, what happens is, if your ego was, if your ego was allowed to just be a survival mechanism that only kicked in when you actually needed to make yourself safe, that would be fine. So if we were born into this body and our parents or our teachers taught us about our spirit, taught us about our true nature, taught us about where we come from, taught us about who we are at the core, right? If that's what we were taught as children and our spirit was made to be bigger and stronger and more connected and our ego was diminished, then the ego would operate as simply a survival mechanism and we would essentially become spiritual beings. But because from the time we're born, our spirit is basically ignored and our ego is strengthened, by the time we reach adulthood, we are very egoic beings and we are largely fear-based. And if you look around, like you don't have to take my word for it, just look around, everyone is dominated by fear. Everyone is dominated by fear. I mean, you just go to the gym and you look around and you just look at how everybody is trying to outrun everything that they think is not okay about themselves. I mean, you could see it in their faces. It's just obvious. I mean, you go to the bank, you look at the people standing in the bank line and you just see the financial concern on their face. You know, you, I mean, like it's, you just go through any one of my posts and read the comments and you'll just see the fear that people are living with around relationships, around not being enough, around fighting for their point of view, around, you know, attacking what I'm saying on some like little, like semantic issue. And it's all fear-based. It's all like, it's all people trying to outrun their fear. It's all people trying to outrun everything that we feel is insufficient or incomplete or not enough about us. And we go, if I go to the gym and I get a great body and my body looks amazing, then I'll be enough. Or if I go find this hot, sexy person who also thinks I'm hot and sexy and we fall in love and we care for each other for, for the rest of our lives, then I'll be enough. Or if I can make a lot of money and I can have a career that I feel like I'm really doing something important and I'm really making a difference and I'm really, and I have respect and admiration of other people, then I'll be enough. And time and time again, we go out and we pursue these goals and you go out and you get the perfect body and you, you spend an hour a day in the gym and your body looks perfect, but then you look in the mirror and you find every little thing that's wrong with yourself. Even though anyone else would look at you and be like, oh my God, you have the perfect body. It's flawless. It's amazing. But you look at yourself and you find every little thing that's wrong with you. And why do you do that? Because you're not outrunning your ego. You might outrun every ounce of fat that's on your body but you're still not outrunning your ego. You know, you might get so much money in the bank and accumulate it all that you never have to have a financial concern again. 
But all that financial concern will just be translated onto something else. Because all the money in the world, you cannot buy out your ego. And so when we talk about leveraging our spiritual power to manifest love or to manifest anything in life, but you know, here in, in this conversation, I'm, I'm often talking about love. What we're really talking about is undoing the ego. Like you've really got to understand the predicament you're in. You, from the time you were born, you were born into a world of overdeveloped egos. This world taught you to overdevelop your ego. Now you have a very strong survival mechanism inside of you that is causing you to be afraid of life. It's causing you to be afraid of really living. And so every decision you make has to be tightly controlled to make sure you won't fail, to make sure you're going to get it right, to make sure you won't be humiliated, to make sure you won't be rejected, to make sure you'll be approved of and accepted and get all the validation you need and all of this. And every decision you make has to be filtered through all this criteria because the ego is so overdeveloped that it won't allow you to live anymore. It won't allow you to be free. It won't allow you to express authentically. It won't allow you to be yourself. And here's the biggest problem is there are only two, there are only two real emotions in life. There's love and fear. And every other emotion is just spawning off of one of those first two. So there's fear and there's love. Spirit operates entirely from love. Spirit operates entirely from love. Because like I said before, spirit is never in danger. Spirit doesn't know danger. It's infinite. It's eternal. It is creative. It just creates endlessly for all eternity, forever. It is just creating and creating and creating and creating. And it is never afraid because there is never any danger to it. And then there's the ego, which is always afraid because it only sees danger. You see, if you had a perfect situation handed to you, the ego would find the thing wrong with it and get focused on this. And, and I'll bet, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but you can see this in your own life. I mean, how many times in your life have you had something great but the only thing you could focus on was one little aspect of it that was uncomfortable for you and, and your fear of like losing it or sabotaging it. I mean, I, like just, just to give you an example, like I remember when I sold out my last program and, and it's like, oh man, like I, I, I enrolled more people than I wanted to. Financially, it was a huge success for me. Like I didn't really have any financial worries for the foreseeable future. Like everything was great. And, and then immediately, Almost immediately, as soon as I have that success, as soon as I get what I want, starts going into, okay, how long is this money going to last? Okay, what, what else do we need to do? Okay, and I'll, I'll, like this is the ego, right? Here's this great thing. You got everything you wanted. It was all good. Everything about it was good. But the ego focuses in on this one little aspect of it that makes me uncomfortable and that's all the ego can see. The ego can't see anything else. 
And so we've really got to recognize our predicament. We've really got to recognize the fact that we are, that we are most of us dominated by the ego. And to the degree that the ego is running our thoughts, running our feelings, running our emotions, is the degree that we align with the vibration of fear. To the degree that spirit is informing our thoughts, informing our emotions, is the degree that we align with the vibration of love. And your consciousness is kind of floating in the middle of these two opposing forces. Okay, your consciousness is somewhere in the middle of these two opposing forces. And your choice is your power. Your choice to undo the ego and align more strongly, more completely with spirit. That is your power. So I said that spirit only operates from the vibration of love. The more strongly we align with spirit, the more strongly we embody the vibration of love, the more strongly that vibration moves through us into our lives, into our relationships, into every experience, every interaction. And the more strongly every aspect of our life starts to show up as a reflection of love. And so all this really means, if we're going to break it down to super simple terms here, all this really means is let go of fear. Stop being afraid of anything. And love will fill up all the space inside of you. And over time, because manifestation takes time, okay? I, I, I came up with a formula for manifestation. And it was very simple. It was consistency over time. That's it. You find the vibration you want to embody. You maintain that vibration consistently over time. And your entire life will show up as a reflection of that vibration. But I said, so the only thing you have to do is let go of fear. If you stop being afraid, you stop fearing anything, love will fill up every ounce of your being. It will be the only thing you experience, the only thing you express, and it will spill out into every area of your life and every area of your life will become a reflection of love. And if you want that loving partner, that loving person in your life, they will be there. So the only thing you have to do is let go of fear. Well, that's easy, right? Well, I would challenge everybody who hears this, whether you're with me live right now, whether you hear this on the podcast, but I would challenge everybody who hears this. Try it for a week to keep a journal and note every time you experience fear for a week. Like if you really start to get present to how often you experience fear in all of its forms, you get frustrated, that's fear. You get annoyed, that's fear. You get angry, that's fear. You get sad, that's fear. You get lonely, that's fear. You feel some anxiety, that's fear. You feel depression, that's fear. Right? Because these are all forms of fear. These are all forms of deprivation. They're all forms of some idea that I'm not enough, that I'm incomplete. These are all forms of fear. 
So every negative experience we have is basically a form of fear. You know, like, and let's just look at a few, right? Let's, let's take depression, for example. Like, if I'm depressed, what's going on for me? Well, first of all, if I'm depressed, I'm viewing life in a way that has led to the experience of depression, right? So when I look out at the world, when I look at myself, when I look at my body, when I look at my life, however I am framing it for myself, I'm framing it in a way that is causing the emotional experience of depression. Now, what might cause that? Well, I mean, just to use some obvious examples, if there's someone I like, but I feel like I'm not enough for them or I feel like they would never like me back, well, that could cause the experience of depression. If I have anxiety or worry about finances or about circumstances in my life or about the way they're going to work out, that could cause depression, right? If, I, if I'm grieving something, that could cause depression, right? Grieving a loss, I lost a relationship, lost a friendship, lost a loved one, right? That could cause depression. So all of these experiences are basically founded in fear. They're basically founded in some idea of lack, not enough, not enough money, not enough love, not enough of me, like I'm not enough to create, I'm not enough to have the relationship or to have the career or to have whatever it is, like I'm not enough, right? So all of these ideas are based in an experience of incompleteness. And every time you feel fear in any of its forms, you have to recognize that what is happening in that moment is you are identifying with who the ego says that you are. And you are disconnecting from love. Now, I say let go of fear. But I also want to say, and this is where the nuance comes in in this, because it's not as simple as just stop being afraid. And when you're, when you're immature in these practices, when you're young or when you're new to this, what you're going to do is you're going to try to just push fear away. You're going to, you're going to, in a, in a very immature view of this conversation, you're going to hear this like fear is bad and love is good. And so I want to push fear away and only move towards love. The problem is, is that when you do that, when you push fear away, you're not going to get rid of it. You're just avoiding it. It's like you're not talking about the elephant in the room, right? So the fear is still there, but you're pushing it away and you're going, I don't want to feel fear. I don't want to be afraid. I don't want to be angry. And so you're repressing all of the emotion around it. And then what happens is it's like it kind of burrows underground. And it shows up in all these sideways ways. And so you might push fear away, push fear away, push fear away until the right moment when it hits you in just the right sensitive spot. And maybe you go out on a date, you have a great connection with this person. You're like, oh my God, this was the best date I've had in a long time. I really hope this goes somewhere. I really hope I see this person again. I really hope they call me. And then three days go by and they don't call. And 
for whatever reason, maybe it was just because of how good the connection was or how attracted you were to them or how vulnerable you were in that situation or whatever it was, but whatever, however it was that that situation hit you in just the right way. And all that fear that you'd been pushing away, pushing away, pushing away, it's all right there and it comes up and it overtakes you. And this is when you fall back. And then people say, I was doing so good. I was doing great. I was, I was feeling confident. I was feeling empowered. I was feeling great. And then just, and then I just, I lost it all. And now I'm depressed. Now I can't get out of bed. Well, it's because you weren't doing the work. You were trying to take a shortcut. You see, if, if you were with me in the beginning, I said that, you know, when you read something like Abraham Hicks or you read something like The Secret, and these aren't bad things. I mean, Abraham Hicks, I love Abraham. I, I think they're amazing. But they do make it sound easy in the way they present these ideas. Now, I, I think the core of what they're saying, if, if you just take what they're saying at face value, I think what they're saying is true. But in the way they present it, they make it sound easy. And my experience is that this is not an easy process. My experience is that this requires work. And so when Abraham says something like I just said, where, you know, Abraham will say, you know, move away from fear towards love, right? Anytime you experience fear, you're connecting to that negative vibration, right? Well, I did the same thing. When I read Abraham Hicks 10 years ago and I, I heard that same message, I did exactly what I just said. I pushed away fear and tried to only connect to love, right? I, I heard in, in my listening, I heard fear is bad, love is good. Push fear away, connect to love. Well, only problem was, like I just said, all the insidious fear creeped in in all the different ways. So in a more mature understanding of these principles and how these actually work, you start to realize that you can't push the fear away. Because the fear is not actually bad. It's a part of you. You created it. You are creating it, right? So it's, it's, it's funny. It's like you're creating the fear and then you push it away. Well, you created it, right? So like you can't really push away your own creation. It's a part of you. It comes up in you and, it, and it's not bad. We could say it's ineffective, Right? Like living a fear dominated life is not going to bring you love and joy and abundance and happiness. Like it's not going to bring those things. So we could say it's ineffective, but it's not bad. It's a product of your creation. It's a product of your ego identification. It's a product of your ego based identity. And so when you look out at the world and you say, when you look out at the world and you say, oh, money's a little tight this month, you know, I hope I'm going to be able to pay all my bills. Or you say, I feel lonely and it's been a long time since I had a good date. And, you know, it's just, it's really hard to meet good people around here. Or, or when you say, you know, I just, I, I just, I don't think I can do it. Or I don't feel like enough or, or I feel so unworthy or I feel so unattractive, right? Like these are all fear-based ideas. And so when you look at your life and you see things in that way, that creates the experience of fear inside of you. And so when you look at your life and you see things in that way, fear comes to life inside of you, but now it's there. Now you have to deal with it. You can't push it away once it's there. You already created it. So what do you do about this? Like, let's just start talking about that. What do you do about this? Because right here, I'm really going to get into talking about how manifestation works. 
And the process of manifestation is the process of moving through the fear, getting to the other side of it, allowing something greater than the fear to to inform you about what's true, about what's real. So I'll, I'll give an example here. Let's say that you are feeling a lot of fear around the idea of love. Let's say you're feeling a lot of fear around the idea of love. You're feeling that I'm never going to find anyone or it's really hard to meet good people or every time I connect with someone, they ghost me. And, you know, you're feeling a lot of fear and anxiety around this idea of, of love, finding the partner, meeting someone. Now, what's probably going to happen is every time you open up a dating app, every time you're going on a date with someone, every time you're waiting for someone to call or you text someone and you're waiting for them to respond, like anytime you find yourself in any one of these situations, anxiety is probably going to be a part of it, right? Because you're, you're starting from, it's hard to meet someone. Every time I meet someone I like, I get ghosted. Things don't work out, right? So you're starting from that. If those are the beliefs, which these are all, these are all survival oriented ideas, right? These are all egoic ideas that are trying to protect you, right? So the, the idea is that if I can't anticipate, I'm going to get ghosted. If I can anticipate that that's going to happen, well, that gives me a sense of control around it. And so then I can maybe skew the situation or I could say something or do something or be different in some way to prevent it from happening, right? That's what the ego thinks. So the ego is always looking for what could go wrong to try to anticipate what might go wrong, to be able to manipulate the situation in some way to prevent it from going wrong. That's what the ego is always trying to do. And us who have been raised in the ego and have a highly overactive ego, we have invested all of our faith in our egos to be able to do that. But that is misplaced faith. The ego is incapable of doing what it promises it can do. Right? So the ego says, put all your faith in me. I'll anticipate every problem before it happens. I'll be able to manipulate every situation in a way to make sure nothing ever goes wrong and you always get what you want. The ego is 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 promising that it can do that, but it is unable to deliver on that promise. And so if you have invested in your ego, you are going to experience fear around these things. And so if you're waiting for the person to text back or you're waiting for them to call or you think you're going to get ghosted or whatever it might be, you are, you are, going to feel fear and anxiety around all of those experiences. And if you try to just push the fear away and just be positive about it, just, I'm not going to think about it. I'm just going to be positive and everything's good and la la la. Well, if you try to do that, the fear is going to go under the surface and it's going to come up in all these sideways ways. So that's not how you get rid of the fear. The way you get rid of the fear is to feel it fully, completely, And in the experience of feeling it and letting it move through you, 
you allow yourself to be informed by spirit. So the topic for today is leveraging your spiritual power to manifest love. So let's say I'm sitting here, I'm waiting for someone to call. It's been three days, they haven't called. My anxiety is through the roof. I'm feeling unworthy. I'm feeling unlovable. I'm feeling like I'm not wanted. I'm not desirable. I'm never going to find what I'm looking for. I'm going to be alone forever, right? And I'm, I'm feeling all of this and my mind is going a million miles an hour, right? You know the experience. You've been through this. Some of you might be going through it right now, okay? You know the experience. So I'm feeling all of this. What I want to do is I want to be with it, right? Most of us start trying to do something about it. We start, we start trying to get on the dating apps. Let me just go start talking to someone else. I'll just start talking to someone else and I'll forget about this person because they're going to ghost me anyway, right? Or, or let me just, you know, all the different things we do. But instead of trying to do something about it, which is what the ego is going to tell you to do, do this, do that, do it. And the ego is going to keep you like on a hamster wheel, right? Just constantly running, but not getting anywhere. So rather than trying to do something to fix the feeling, feel the feeling, right? Don't fix the feeling, feel the feeling. And this is where, for me, it's, it's almost like a form of prayer and, and meditation. It's like, it, it's like prayer and meditation, but it's like, I, I sit with the feeling. And I, I allow it to move through my body. And like, I really like try to open my heart, like no resistance. And some of you, if, if you've never done anything like this, it's going to take a little bit of practice to like, to try to do this, to feel into it, to learn, to feel into it. Like it's going to take some practice, but I try to really open my heart and just like no resistance. Like I'm not fighting it. I'm not guarding myself. I'm not protecting myself. I'm not pushing it away. I'm not avoiding. Like I'm like just really opening my heart. Like I'm allowing the fear to be there. Like, yes, you can even say to yourself, like, I know why you're here. I know that you're trying to protect me. I know that I've experienced a lot of pain in my life and that your presence here is a way of protecting me or trying to protect me from that pain. You can even say, thank you. Thank you for working so hard to try to protect me, right? So you're, there's no resistance. I'm not fighting it. I'm not pushing it away. I'm allowing it. I'm open to it. I'm receptive to it. Thank you. Yes, you are welcome. Move through me. Let me feel you. And then... In the feeling of it. So as you're feeling the fear, as you're letting it move through you, you're, you're not, you know, when we, when we get anxious or when we have anxiety or when we feel fear, there's kind of like a, a tensing up that happens. It's like your body tightens and you get like all like this. And that, that is actually pushing it away, right? It's like, it's like a resistance to the anxiety. It's a resistance to the feeling and it's actually perpetuating it, right? So if you, you know, if here's the anxiety, and here's my resistance and we're pushing against each other. Like nothing's going anywhere, right? It's just staying in place. My, my tightness, my resistance that is actually holding the anxiety in place. It's not allowing it to move. It's keeping it stuck. So if I can actually relax my body, if I can relax into the anxiety, like physiologically relax my body, like literally say to myself, it's okay. You are welcome. Move through me. Let me feel you. 
identifying where do I feel it? I feel it in my chest. I feel it in my stomach. I feel it in my shoulders. I, I feel it right. Where do I feel it? Where do I feel the emotion in my body? And then within this experience, within this experience, you pray. And I don't know if you believe in God or spirit or, you know, great spirit like the American Indians did or, or, you know, uh, I mean, it's, it's all just, it's all the same. We, we call it all different things, but it's just, it's just what we are. It's what we're made of. It's where we come from. I mean, we, there's so much drama around it, but oh my God, it's, it's the most simple thing in the world. It's like, it's just what we are. It's, it's the truth and the essence of what we are. And so you, you pray to that. And, and, you know, in the midst of feeling that fear, you say like, inform me, give me wisdom, give me guidance, show me truth, show me the way it really is, show me who I really am, show me what's beyond the fear. And this, what happens is you start to be informed by the spirit. So the greatest aspect of who you are, the the source of who you are, the place that you come from, starts to tell you about who you are. Throughout our lives, going back to what I've said, the ego has told us who we are. You're not safe. You're not attractive. You're not wanted. You're not worthy. You're not lovable. You're not enough. You're not creative. You're not intelligent. You're, and on and on and on. Right? Throughout our lives, the ego has told us who we are. And because we believed what the ego told us, we always felt that we needed to somehow overcompensate for that. If I'm not enough, then I need to be more. If I'm not worthy, then I need to prove myself. If I'm not wanted, then I need to make myself wanted. If I'm not lovable, then I need to make myself lovable. If I'm not attractive, then I need to make myself more attractive, right? So when we believe what the ego tells us about who we are, we are always in a reaction. We are always in a survival mechanism. We are always trying to overcompensate for some perceived lack But when we can start to be informed by the spirit about who we are, that's when it all changes. That's when we start to see the amazingness of who we are. You know, people talk about self-love, which which is such such an interesting idea because at the core, we are love, right? It's like people say, I I, got to love myself more. I got to love myself more. No, you don't need to love yourself more. You just got to let go of everything within you that's not love. And then all that will be left is love. Like working hard to love yourself, like you're already, you're already lost at that point because you've already bought into the egoic idea that you're not lovable. And now you're trying to overcompensate for that to love yourself more. I mean, you've already lost at that point. I often say, and, and this is how we talk about it in the Inspired Love Program, is that You become big enough to hold all of it. In in our immaturity, 
in our, you know, spiritual childhood, let's say, in our spiritual childhood, which many people, you know, get to be 50, 60, 80 years old, but they've never progressed beyond the uh, point of being a child spiritually, right? So this isn't about physical age, but in our spiritual childhood, we see things as black and white, good and bad, right and wrong. And anything that we deem as bad, we push it away. Anything that we deem as good, we try to get more of it. And like I, I see with my work, like this is what most people are doing in relationships. It's like what makes me feel bad, I try to run away from it. What makes me feel good, I try to run towards it. But you've got to see what a trap that is. Because often the very thing that's making you feel good and is making you want to run towards it, six months down the road, it's going to be making you feel awful. Right? So that's that's such a trap, this, this pleasure and pain trap. Chasing pleasure, pushing away pain. It's such a trap. It keeps you on the hamster wheel. It keeps you repeating the patterns over and over again. So what do I do? I receive the pain. I receive the suffering. I don't run from it. I don't hide from it. And what I do is I become big enough to hold it. You see, spiritual maturity is not about, it's it's not about like just having it be great all the time and just like, oh, I'm just like enlightened and in, in the, on the mountaintop with God and Jesus. And like, you know, like it, that's not what spiritual maturity is about. Like spiritual maturity is about being great enough to hold all the experiences of life and to remain conscious through them. It is about, okay, here's the thing. In, in our spiritual childhood, we see fear as the antithesis of love. And how both can exist in the same place. And so anytime we experience fear, we lose our connection to love. But in spiritual maturity, what happens is that the love that we are becomes so great and we become so strongly identified with it that it's bigger than even the fear. And it can even hold the fear within it. So it's like, no matter what I experience, the love never leaves me. You know, so I'll just give an example. I thought of this earlier. It's like, today when I get cut off in traffic, like someone will cut me off in traffic and I'll experience that moment of fear, that shock, that, <gasps> right? In the past, what that used to do is throw me into a reaction. So someone would cut me off and I'll go, <gasps> and I would, I would feel that immediate reaction. And then I'll go, you motherfucker, right? And it would throw me into that. Now what happens is I go, <gasps> and immediately that <gasps> is met with love. And I go, wow, I hope that person is safe. I hope they don't hurt anyone else. I'm glad they didn't hurt me. I wonder if they're rushing to the hospital because they have a loved one in the hospital. I wonder if they're late for work and they're thinking they might lose their job. I wonder if they're like running to pick their kids up from school, right? So it's like, it's like there's a whole different perception of that event because yes, the fear is there, but when the presence of love is strong enough, 
The fear doesn't throw you into a reaction. So let's talk about how that might look in dating, right? Let's go back to waiting for that person to call or waiting for that person to text. And you're feeling that, why haven't they called? Did they not like me? Am I not enough? Should Was it something I said? Was it something I did? Maybe next time I won't do that so much, right? We get into our head about it. Well, if you could just go in and, and you just feel that, like, they didn't call. I really, I really hoped they would. I really wanted them to. And, and you can just feel that. And what's the feeling? Is it disappointment? Is it sadness? Is it loneliness? Is it anxiety, like fear of the future? Like, if this person didn't call, maybe the next person won't call and the next person won't call and I'm never going to find anyone. I'm going to be alone forever. Right? So you feel into that fear. But instead of going into that reaction of what do I have to do to find love because I'm so deprived and so, uh, and you start grasping for it, you start reaching for it, you start fighting for it. Instead of getting thrown into that reaction, you can just sit with that feeling and you can just say, okay. And you know, what'll start to emerge. And this is something that like, it's, it's almost tough to talk about because you have to experience it. I mean, like there's just no way around it. Like if, if you don't experience this, you may get a vague idea of what I'm talking about, but it's not really going to mean anything to you until you experience it for yourself. But when I say you become informed by spirit or, or the love that you are informs you of who you are, you start to feel a sense of safety and security in who you are that transcends everything. And so it's like, they didn't call. And I'm disappointed that they didn't call because I really wanted them to call. And I, and I feel sad and I feel lonely. And I even feel a little anxiety about maybe I'm never going to meet anyone or maybe it's never going to happen. But I'm sitting with that and I'm praying with it I'm meditating with it. I'm feeling into it. I'm allowing this experience to move through me. I'm speaking to my higher mind or, or to the higher aspect of who I am. And I'm, and I'm asking, you know, tell me about who I am. Show me the truth. Show me what's real here. And what starts to happen is you start to, as I said, experience a security, a safety, a truth about who you are that transcends everything in the world. And so when that person doesn't call, it starts to be like, well, that's a bummer. It would have been nice if they called, but it's really not that big of a deal because I know who I am. And that person not calling doesn't change who I am. Right? Like that person not being interested in me doesn't change who I am. When you're identified with the ego, it does. Because the ego, the ego has no real identity. The ego is always just in a reaction identity. It's always, it's always making up its identity based on what happens. Right? If, if they like me, the ego says, I'm amazing. If they don't like me, the ego says, I'm worthless. But the ego has no core identity. The ego has nothing true to stand on. It's always in a reaction to what's happening outside of it.
But spirit, the source, call it God if you want to, call it Christ if you want to, call it Buddha if you want to, that has an identity. That has a truth to it. That has something that is constant and consistent and unchangeable. And that, that God, that Christ, that Buddha, whatever you want to call it, that is alive in you. That is, it is, it is more real than any other part of you. Like everything else about you will die, but that part will live on. And so when you can connect to that, when you can let that inform you of who you are, oh my God, life becomes this beautiful dream. And it's not because you get everything you want. You get a lot of what you want. Like, I mean, my wife and I just moved into this beautiful home. You know, we have a beautiful relationship. We have this amazing little puppy. We're working on making a baby now, you know? So like, you get a lot of what you want. Like, it's it's been working well for me, definitely. And, you know, like I've shared this many times, it's like my wife had cancer last year, right? She had to go through chemo. That wasn't what we wanted. So it's, you don't get everything you want, but you get a lot of what you want. But regardless of getting what you want or not, there's something inside of you that is unbreakable, that is unshakable that is consistent, that is true. And so anytime I experience fear, and, and like I'll, I'll be honest, like last couple of weeks, I've been experiencing a lot of fear. Moving into this new house has brought up a lot of fear for me. You know, it's, it's a, a lot of responsibility that I didn't have before. Financially, there's a lot that wasn't there before. You know, lifestyle-wise, it's just like a lot has changed. There, there's a lot to figure out. There's just maintenance and things that we got. Like there's a lot. And the just the sheer immensity of things that we're dealing with right now has brought up some fear in me. And what I'm talking to you about right now is literally what I've been doing for the last two weeks. Meditating, praying, getting connected to the part inside of me that knows no fear getting connected to the part inside of me that knows that this is all going to be perfectly okay. And I want to share this for everyone here, whether again, whether you're live, whether you're on the podcast, but I want to, I want you to really get this. That is the only thing worth having in life is that unshakable truth and confidence inside of you. That is the only thing worth having in life. Like if you, if you sat down and thought about all the things you want and all the things you're trying to get and all your plans of how you're going to get there and all your, you know, if I, if I do this and then by this time I'll be in this place and then I'll be able to buy. Like if you, if you put aside all of that and you just simply put all of your energy and focus on developing this unshakable, this unbreakable core inside of you. And then you started showing up to life, to every experience, to dating, to work, to relationships, to all of it, with this strength and this power inside of you. You would start to see possibilities around all the things you want 
that you have never seen before. In dating, you would start showing up in ways that you have never shown up before. The level of confidence that you experience will blow your mind. Your your ability to ask for the things you want from people and actually expect to receive them will blow your mind. Your ability to go, I don't think this person is for me and just let them go, it'll blow your mind. Like, I, you know, we put so much effort into looking all perfect, into saying the perfect thing. Like, what do I say to him to get him to, uh, and into texting the perfect thing. Like we put so much effort into all of these insignificant details. And the more you, the more you invest in trying to make yourself look perfect because you think that's what's going to get someone to love you. Or the more you invest in trying to say and do the right thing all the time because you think that's what's going to get someone to love you. Or, or the more you, the more you try to like work outside of yourself because you think that's what's going to get someone to love you, the more you reinforce the idea that you are not lovable. Does everybody get that? If you get that, tap that hard a few times. It's like, what I said is just really important. So if you get that, tap that hard a few times. The more you invest in these superficial things, the more you reinforce the idea that you are not lovable. Because you're, you're investing in something that has no truth. You're investing in something that has no reality. But the more you invest in who you are, in your level of confidence, in your level of personal power, in your, your ability to accept things that happen with grace and with love and with trust, the more you connect to that part of yourself that is enough and was always enough and will always be enough. So Keegan, I'm going to speak to you for a moment because I see your comments and, and I appreciate that your, I appreciate that your comments are, are less, uh, less violent than they were a couple weeks ago. So thank you. I appreciate that. But I just want to talk about real quick and I'm going to open up for questions in a moment. So anybody who has questions, if you want to go ahead and drop them in the chat, I'm going to get to questions in a moment, but I want to address this comment that Keegan made here. It's so hard to find an authentic woman. Okay. Thank you for sharing that, Keegan. A lot of the ladies out there, you may say it's so hard to find an authentic man, right? So it's not just you, brother. <laughs> A lot of people experience this, right? I, I just want to say in response to that comment that it is hard because you are identified with your ego. You are identified with the part of you that does not feel enough. You are identified with the part of you that feels inadequate. You are identified with the part of you that feels insufficient. And that's why it feels so hard to find an authentic woman or an authentic man. It's because you've spent your whole life investing in an identity 
that tells you you are insufficient. And what I'm going to say for you, brother, for anyone else, you know, ladies, gentlemen, whoever's on here, what I want to say is like, you've got to start connecting to a different part of yourself. You've got to start connecting to the part of yourself that knows who you are in truth. That's what's going to change this experience for you. Because like the truth is, how do I say this? Like, it's not hard to meet someone when you don't need to meet someone. Because from that place, it's like, I'm just meeting people. I'm just going out, just meeting people, having a good time, seeing who connects, who doesn't. Right? Like it's not hard to meet people when you're doing it like that. But when you need to meet someone, it's very hard. It's very hard because you put a lot of pressure on every single interaction. And then when it doesn't work out, you turn that around on yourself and you beat yourself up for it. And you assume the reason it didn't work out is because there's something about you that's not enough, which honestly, 90% of the time isn't actually the reason, but you assume it's the reason. That's what makes this all so hard. That's what makes it all so challenging. Because when you feel that you're not enough, every experience is going to be filtered through that perspective. And every experience is going to be a message to you that you are not enough. And that's why, like, look, we, we all have to do this. I've had to do it. I still do it in my life in many ways. Not so much with dating anymore, but definitely with other things. Like, this is what we all have to do. We all have to face up to the part of us that feels that it is that feels that it is not enough and we have to learn to release that and open up to a greater experience of who we are and specifically for you brother i think what's going to support you is is one like working with someone directly like, I think you need a therapist or a coach or, or someone who can help you work through this stuff because you're, you know, getting on here and just every week, just dropping your comments. I, I mean, it's not serving, like it's not helping you. It's not making your situation better. So you've got to, you've got to really like work through this in a real way. And I, I would say the same for most of us, right? Like we've got to, We've got to work through this in a real way. So I want to open up now and take some questions. Um, great discussion today. Let me go ahead and just look through here and see what questions have come in. Um, so I'm going to take this question from Sharon Kaufman. She says, we are dating for eight months and he doesn't want to introduce me to his kids. Should I introduce him to my kids even though I'm not sure what will happen between us in the future? Okay, great question. Um, I mean, I, I think, I think Sharon, there's a lot of nuance here 
Like for me to give an answer about if you should or shouldn't introduce the kids, like there's a lot of nuance here that I just don't really know about, but I'm going to, I'm going to try to give you uh, something that'll serve you in response to the overall situation. Okay. So dating for eight months and he doesn't want to, he doesn't want to introduce me to his kids. Now, uh, my first question would be, well, why not? And what is the, what is the, um, what am I trying to say here? Like, what are his reasons for that? But then what's the trajectory look like, right? Like, so, okay, so you don't want to introduce me to my, your kids. I understand that. I respect that. But so first of all, let's talk about why, like, like what's, what's the holdup? Like, what is, what is your fear or your uh, consideration about that, that it doesn't feel right for you right now, right? Like, so we could talk about that. Um, the next thing to talk about would be like, okay, so let's, let's make a plan about this. Like, at what point do we feel that it would be appropriate? And at what point, you know, like, what would we need to do to get to that place? Right? So it's, it's kind of like, what's probably missing here, Sharon, is a larger vision for the relationship. What often happens when two people get together is they just, they get together, they connect, they, you know, have a great time. They have a lot of feelings for each other. They're enjoying the connection, but it's what often happens is they don't really create much in the relationship aside from that initial connection, aside from that initial, like the feelings we have, the attraction we have, the desire to be together. And beyond that, we don't really create much in the relationship, right? So the, the reason that that's a problem is because evolutionarily speaking, all those beginning things are there for a reason. They're what attract us to each other. Okay. This is what keeps the human race alive. If we didn't have that attraction, that spark, that physical sexual desire and all the feelings that come with it, if we didn't have that, the human race would die out. Okay. So built into our makeup is this initial attraction that brings us together. But beyond that, if we don't create something in the relationship that keeps us together, that initial attraction is going to die out. That initial connection, those feelings, that spark, that's going to die out over time. So we have to create something in the relationship that is going to keep us together. Now, what I, what I'm guessing is happening here, Sharon, is that the two of you probably had a strong attraction, a lot of feelings, a strong desire to be together. And that brought you together. And you've been, you've been kind of riding the wave of that for the last eight months. But now the relationship has gotten to a place where it's like, okay, we need a vision for the future. We need to talk about like what we're creating here, like where this is going to go, the life we want to have. We need to see if we can even be on the same page about that. And this is why things like introducing to the kids, this is one of those, and I've had a lot of clients who got stuck at this very exact spot of like the introduction to the kids. And the reason that is such a, the reason that's such a sensitive thing is because people don't want to introduce to the kids unless they know there's a future, right? I don't want to introduce someone to my kids. It's going to be gone a few months later. 
right? If I'm going to introduce someone to my kids, I want them, I want my kids to be able to have trust with this person. I want my kids to know that this person is going to be around. So the problem here is that that trust is developed by creating a long-term vision, by having some benchmarks, by having some agreements in place. It's like when I know, when I get involved with someone and I know not only that we're attracted to each other and maybe we have great chemistry, great sexual chemistry, we find each other attractive, we have some fun together, we have a good time together, right? So I know all of that. But beyond that, I need to know that our vision for the future is similar, that we're on the same page about it, that like, you know, when I look 10, 20 years down the road, that we see ourselves in the same kind of place, that we want the same kind of things, that we're walking in the same kind of direction, right? Like that's important for me to feel secure in this relationship. I need to know that like my heartfelt dreams, like from, from the time I was a little kid or or maybe not that far back, maybe your dreams are more recent, that's okay too, right? But, but like when I look at my dreams, the life I want to have, the life I want to create, the life I want to experience. When I look at my dreams, I need to know that there is a strong likelihood that I am going to be able to create my dreams with this person, meaning that they've heard my dreams, meaning that they've received my dreams, meaning that they have said, yes, I like that. That's a vision I can get on board with. I can see us creating that together, right? So when you take it from the level of, we're attracted, we have feelings, we like each other, we have a good time together to, okay, yeah, those things are true. But on top of that, we have a vision for the future. We've talked about our dreams. We've, we've agreed that there's a possibility that we could create these dreams together and we want to work towards that together, right? When you take the relationship from this initial level to like this next level, now there's a there's a stronger foundation in the relationship that is going to make someone feel like, okay, if we have the same dreams, if we have the same vision for the future, if we want to get moving on together, if we want to create this together, well, now introducing the kids makes sense. Why? Because we have a long-term vision. We're not just waiting around to see if the shoe is going to drop the next day and this person's going to be out the door. We've created this vision together. So, Sharon, I I really think that this conversation about vision, about getting clear about the kind of future you want to create, about getting clear if you want the same things and you're going to create those together, that is going to be the most important next step for you. And the other thing I want to say about that is this vision conversation is going to reveal the true potential that the relationship has. Because when you start trying to talk about vision and this person goes, well, I don't really want to talk about that. Let's just see where things go. Well, now you're getting some clarity that like, okay, this person doesn't want to create a vision. Well, maybe that's why they don't want to introduce me to their kids because maybe they don't see this thing lasting long-term. When I try to talk about vision, they start withdrawing from the conversation. They start pulling back. They start being less engaged. Or when I start talking about vision, they jump in, they get engaged, they're on board. 
Or maybe we have different visions. Maybe I start talking about vision. They say, well, yeah, that sounds great, but I imagine it a little more like this. You know, maybe you're saying like, I want to have everybody under one roof, one family. I want it to be like this. They're like, well, I'd like to have everybody living in a van and we're like traveling the world, right? So, so, you know, if those are two different visions, well, now you've got to reconcile that. And if you can't reconcile that, well, then maybe this relationship isn't a fit. So I think this is going to be the next step for you. And I'm not saying that you're going to go have one conversation about it and the next day you're going to introduce the kids to everybody. This might be the next couple months you're working this out. You're figuring this out. You're saying, you know, do we have the same vision? Do we not? Are there differences in our vision that we need to reconcile? Do you even want to create a vision with me? Or when I try to talk about vision, are you trying to avoid the conversation, right? And if that happens, then I'm going to be like, so why are you avoiding this conversation? If you don't want to talk about vision, I mean, we've been, we've been together eight months. We're going on a year now. If you don't want to talk about vision, then I don't want to be in this relationship because, I mean, I'm looking for someone I can create a vision with. I'm looking for someone I can create a life with. If I can't do that with you, maybe this relationship isn't for me. So these are the kinds of conversations, and I know I'm breaking them down in like, you know, very short, very quick, but these are the kinds of conversations that you want to start to get into. It's going to reveal the potential the relationship has. It's going to reveal if you have enough in common that would warrant like a lifelong commitment. And it's also going to create space for, okay, well, now that we have this vision, now that we have a a stronger sense of where this relationship is going, now that we're looking to the future together, now that all of this is kind of established, yeah, I feel okay introducing the kids. Why? Because this thing is something solid. It's something my kids can have some faith in. What might be happening, and this is the last thing I'll say about this, well, really two things. Either he wants that, And he just doesn't know that's what he wants. He's not clear that that's what he wants. And so he doesn't feel comfortable about the kids because he just, he doesn't really know that like, I would need that in order to feel comfortable. That's option number one. Option number two is he actually doesn't want that. And that's why he's not bringing it up or trying to move forward in that way. So for you, Sharon, You want to get clear about what he actually wants. So you're not trying to push him into a vision. You're trying to find out what his vision is and if it aligns with your vision. All right, so sending you some love. Thank you for the question. I know that's definitely uh, challenging. I remember one one client in particular that this kid's conversation was a big deal. And it went back and forth for several several months and eventually... um, Eventually, she ended up choosing to end the relationship because he did not want to move forward with the kids thing. He was he actually said to her that when it, it, it required her pushing a little bit, it required her really, you know, kind of fighting for this conversation. But at the end of the day, what it really came down to was he said, I don't really ever want to introduce my kids. I want to have our relationship be this thing on the side that we can enjoy in our own time. And I want my relationship with kid, my kids to be my relationship with them. And I don't really ever want to blur those lines. And, and he even went as far to say, and I absolutely, even if you meet my kids at some point, 
I absolutely never want us to live in the same house. And for my client, that was a deal breaker because she was like, well, my vision is that I definitely down the road somewhere want us all to be under the same roof. So if you are an absolute no to that vision, then I got to choose to end this relationship because I just, I just can't commit long-term to like one, maybe never even meeting your kids and two, us never being under the same roof. That's not a vision I can get on board with. So these are the kinds of conversations that you've got to have here, Sharon. And I'll say for her, it was, you know, similar time frame about eight months. She started talking about this stuff with him. So, you know, you're right there and I'm going to send you some love. And I, I really hope that it all goes favorable for you. You know, I really, truly do. Um, Lala says, I love how direct you are and real. Thank you for your story. Also love this one. And I hope is added to your podcast. It will definitely be added to the podcast. And thank you for the comment, Lala. I appreciate that. Um, okay. So I, I see your comment here, Sharon, you say they're young and he's scared it's going to hurt them. So yeah, I mean, again, it's, it's still the same thing. So that's understandable and totally valid and totally okay. But then the question is, okay, so what would make you feel safe enough that you would be ready for that? And do you want to work towards that with me? Right? So, so yeah, do you, what would you need to feel ready for that? And having established, okay, this is what you need. Do you want to work towards that together? Like, is this relationship meaningful enough for you, for you to want to work towards that? But I think the most important thing, and this goes for you, Sharon, this goes for like lots of people in lots of situations. The most important thing has to be like, I'm willing to work with you where you are. I'm willing to meet you where you're at. I'm willing to hear your fears and your concerns, but I'm not willing to just settle for like never ending ambiguity. So if there's a fear, I'm willing to meet you there. I'm willing to work with it. I'm willing to hear it. But I'm not just going to settle for never-ending ambiguity. I need some clarity. I need to know that we're on a track. And I need to know that you want to move forward with me on that track. So I, I think those are those are the conversations you're headed for, Sharon. And um, thank you. Thank you for the question. Um, okay. See a few more questions here. Awesome. I'm going to, uh, looks like we got a few good ones. Where are we on time? All right. Yeah. I have, I have time for a few more. Let's, um, this, this, uh, question is from Malenkuk. Hope I, hope I said that right. Um, my ex long distance broke up with me over a year ago saying I wouldn't be happy being in a relationship with him. He's in the military. Yet he keeps texting me every few weeks saying he loves me. It keeps setting me back. I love him, but we don't want to make any progress. Not sure what to do. Okay. Well, my first thought is that it was a little presumptuous of him to, to say that you would not be happy with him. I feel like that's your decision to make, not his. Unless, and and here's here's the caveat, unless you had expressed so much disfaction with the situation that it made him feel that you would never be happy, and then he chose to end it. So that could could have been what happened. 
Um, you know, I, I think I'm just going to make it really simple for the two of you. The two of you need, need to get honest. Like, are we going to do this or not? And if not, we need to go no contact. And if we are, then let's do it. But this, you know, this is the kind of stuff that just, it hurts and it drags things out and it, it like does not serve anyone. And, and you know, for, for you, uh, for anyone who's listening right now, I, I really want you to just like any area in your life that is ambiguous and like, look in the beginning, things are ambiguous. Okay. In the first three months, things are ambiguous. That's fair. Okay. But like when you get beyond the first three months, if things are still ambiguous, if, if you have a hard time knowing what someone is doing or why they're texting you or what they want or when you're going to see them again, like if it's, if it's hard to get these kinds of answers from anyone, like you need to call them out and just be like, listen, like, I, I like you. I'm enjoying our connection, but I just got to be honest with you. This whole thing is getting exhausting for me. And if we can't clarify this and, you know, work something out where I feel really good about being in this, then I'm going to call it off because I can't live like this. Like it is actually a lot of you won't say something like that because it makes you feel desperate. I want to tell you that is actually super empowered. I'm going to, I'm going to do this real quick. I'm going to break down the difference between desperate and empowered. Okay. Saying what I just said is empowered. Listen, I can't live like this. Okay. This relationship is exhausting for me. I don't know where we're going. I don't know what we are. I don't know what I can expect from you. I don't know if you're going to show up for me or not. I don't know if we have a future. Like the constant wondering of this is exhausting for me. And yes, I like you. But if we can't clarify the situation, I'm just going to call it off because I can't live like this. That is powerful. What is desperate or not powerful is something like, okay, whatever you think, if you want it that way, we can do it that way. Okay. Yeah. No, I'm not going to ask for anything. I'm just going to let you have your space and figure it out in your time. And, and, oh no, I, I don't want to push. Like, like that is, that is desperate. Just hanging on and hoping and diminishing your truth to try to get someone to like you. That is desperate. Now, there is some nuance here, okay? Because if you, after a second date, say to someone, all right, I really need an answer. What are we doing here? Where is this going? Okay, well, that that's a little pushy and that's probably going to push people away. So you've got to, and I always say, like, give it three months. You know, really, like, there's no rush here. Give it three months. But after three months, it's okay to say to someone, like, listen, you know, I really like you. I'm enjoying this. You know, I, I, I feel like you are too. And do you want to make it exclusive? Do you want to give this relationship an honest chance? Like it is okay to say that after a certain amount of time. And so going back to the question, I just wanted to put that in there because I know there are a lot of you right now that are dealing with lots of ambiguous situations. And I just want to say it's okay to own your power. You don't have to deal with ambiguity for forever 
just hoping that you're not going to pressure someone. Like, no, it's not beyond a certain point. It's not pressure beyond a certain point. It's like, let's just get real. Let's just have an authentic conversation here. Okay. Yeah. If you're pushing for that in your second date or your third date, like, yeah, okay. That's pressure. You know, if, if you're coming home after your first few dates and you're texting someone like, do you like me? Do you see this going somewhere? Yeah, that's pressure. Okay. Give them a little bit of time to get to know you. Give them the opportunity to have an experience of you. Give the relationship the opportunity for it to develop some consistency, you know, for you to be talking and texting and seeing each other on a regular basis. Let all of that happen naturally without you pushing for anything. But once that consistency and that regularity is established and you have a relationship, if that person is not bringing up, what are we doing here? Then you bring it up and tell them, look, I need an answer. I'm not going to keep investing in this week after week just to have you disappear one day. Like, I'm not going to do that. Now, going back to the question, okay, I know that's not what you were asking about, but I just felt like it was important to say that. I, I I would say to him, just very simple and very clear. Listen, I love you too. And I didn't even necessarily want this relationship to end. You're the one who called it off. But here's what I need from you. I need us to get clear on if we're going to try to make this work or not. And if we're not, then I need a no contact. I need you to just give me the space to move on. If you want to work this out, I'm open. And maybe we have some things to work through. Maybe it would help us to get a therapist. Maybe it would help us to, you know, find some support in dealing with the distance and things. Maybe that would be supportive, okay? But I'm not going to just let you keep texting me and like bringing up these old feelings and bringing up the sadness. Like if you are really calling it off, then I need to move on. And if you want to reconsider, let's reconsider. I'm open to that but it needs to be one or the other because you removing yourself from my life and then messaging me every day, bringing up all my feelings, not letting me move on. That's not fair and it's not helpful. All right. So I hope that supports you. I really think that's the conversation you need to have and look like maybe there is an opportunity for the two of you to make it work, but you can't be on the fence. You got to be on one side or the other. All right. So Lots of love to you. God, I just, I, I know how challenging it is. I was long distance with my wife for three years. I mean, it's, sometimes it's a legitimate nightmare. It's just, it is. Sometimes it's just really hard. Um, but, you know, just like lots of love and, and I hope too you can figure it out. Um, okay, this is going to be the last question. This is from Kataya Loves. Good to see you on here. Always a pleasure. Uh, Old, uh, old follower from a long time ago who always jumps on. So always great to have you, um, started dating a man because he said he was ready for the real. We made a plan to meet and he got triggered. He says he wants to be able to give me hundred percent because he thinks I'm worth it. So he need to thinks absolutely if he is ready. Well, that one's pretty simple. Give him some time to think, <laughs> you know, I, I think, what do I want to say here? You know, going back to the, going back to the topic for today is like, I know like simple answer, right? 
Let him think. Okay, cool. You want to think? Tell me when you're ready. That's easy. But it's not that easy, right? Because you have an emotional experience of the situation. And there's something you want to happen here. There's also fear. I don't want to hold on to something that's not going to happen. Right? So so you're, you're feeling a lot of this. And the answer is simple, but you're also feeling a lot. So the clarity of the answer is obscured because of what you're feeling. This is a great, great example of practicing what today's session was about. Okay, so today's session, how to leverage your spiritual power to manifest love. Now, here you are in a situation where you're being presented with fear, right? What do I do? Should I hang on? Should I not hang on? What's he going to say? If he, if he says he doesn't want to be with me, does that mean I'm not enough, right? All the fear, like all the fear is there. And so what you want to do is exactly what I talked about earlier. The answer is simple. Think, take your time. Let me know what you come up with. Actually, I would even say, look, I really appreciate that because I'm a hundred percent kind of lady right here. And if you're going to show up for me, I need your hundred percent. So I really appreciate you taking that time to consider that and definitely give it all the consideration you need. Let me know what you come up with. That's probably word for word what I would say to him. But that being said, once you say that, now you have to deal with your emotional experience of the situation. So your emotional experience is uncertain, worried. Am I enough? Is he going to want me? Is he not going to want me? What do I do? I really like him. I thought this was going to be the real thing and whatever it might be, all the thoughts, all the feelings. So you sit with that. You feel it. You hold it. You let it move through you. And you pray. You speak to your own higher mind. You speak to that higher aspect of yourself. You speak to the spirit within you. You say, show me what's real. Show me what's true. Show me what's right. Show me how to think about this. Show me how to feel about this. If there's something I need to say, give me the words. If there's something I need to do, give me the action. And you start to invest in the spiritual aspect of who you are. The physical aspect, physical mind, ego, fear-based, control-based, deprivation-based, right? The, the ego is creating all the fear, all the anxiety. Do this, do that, say this, say that. Oh, you're going to lose. You're gonna, you're, it's not going to happen. You're going to be sad. You're going to be lonely. It's all that, right? That's, that's all in the ego. Spirit is all love. So you need to release the ego experience. You release it by feeling it. You don't push it away. You don't avoid it. You feel it. You let it move through you deeply. You release it. It just dissipates. And then you return to the love. Who am I? I'm love. I'm made of love. Could never be without love. So I see your comment here. You say, I feel hesitant to go towards him when his word changes. Trust that. You, you should feel hesitant, right? So the moment he says, I don't know about this. I need to think about it. I need to know if I'm ready to give my 100%. That's the moment that you go, okay, I need to take a step back here. Yes, think about it, please. I want your 
I won't accept anything less as a matter of fact, right? So yes, please go get clear on if you're ready to give that. I think you got it. I think you got it. You trust that feeling. Okay, something in you says, hmm, I'm not ready to go towards him. Why? Because I'm not feeling his 100%. I need that. So I'm going to give him space to figure out what he needs to figure out. I'm going to take space to figure out what I need to figure out. And at the end of it, where I would where I would like you to land for you and for anyone who's working with this process is at the end of it, you're left with, I am love. Whether he wants to be with me or not, I am love. And there's a, there's a confidence that comes in that. There's a certainty that comes in that. There's a contentment and a, and a power that comes in that. And so you let the fear move through you. You pray. Tell me who I am. Tell me what I'm made of. Tell me the truth. Tell me what's real about this situation. And then you transition from the fear back into the love. I I have confidence about who I am and what I have to offer. I have confidence about the kind of partner I'm attracting into my life. I have confidence about my value and my worth, what I deserve. I have confidence that whether this person chooses to be with me or not, that I will have an amazing partner in my life. And so that's where you land. The fear came up, you felt it, you experienced it, you processed it, it moved through you, you returned to love, that's where you land. I feel content, I feel confident, I feel clear. I feel powerful. And then as you move forward, that will be your point of attraction. So you will attract based on that feeling rather than the feeling of not enoughness or insufficiency or scarcity or lack. Beautiful question. And I probably couldn't have picked a better question to close it out with today. Um, So, you know, that just played right into today's topic. Perfect opportunity to illustrate. So thank you. Thank you, Kataya. Um, Beautiful question for all of you. Excuse me. uh, Thank you for your questions today. There have been some amazing questions. I've really enjoyed uh, just the sharing and and being on here today. You know, as as I shared, it's been a couple weeks off for me and um, it's just good to be back, getting back into the flow. Uh, Good to be here with all of you. Um, To those of you on Instagram, thank you for being live with me today. To those of you on the podcast, uh, thank you for catching up on another session and um, and continuing to follow and continuing to receive this message. Um, so much love to you as well. Uh, only thing I want to say is just to let everyone know, I said it earlier, but I'll just say it again. Um, the uh, Inspired Love program will open for enrollment again on June 1st. I know... Uh, you know, for me and some of you have maybe heard me talk about it or, or seen us promoting it on social media or something, but you know, this is really just uh, my favorite thing to do. It's, it's a program that I've written from my heart. Um, it, it's a program that is just really, uh, really 
goes deep into all of these discussions. And, you know, there's a lot of somatic work that we do in terms of actually getting into the body, releasing what we're holding in the body. Um, we do breath work, we do guided somatic experience, we do um, shame release, we do um, emotional awareness process. So there's a lot of work around just getting in touch with what's happening in the body. Um, there's a lot of work around spirit, prayer and meditation, trust, and developing you know this confidence that I'm talking about. There's a lot of work around like practical things like you know how to navigate the dating world and what to say and what to do and, and how to say it. And, um, you know, just a lot of opportunity to, to have coaching and questions and just bring up things that are in the room. And I'll, I'll just say that, you know, what's really amazing about this program is the vulnerability of those who, who participate and how, you know, when we all work together and you start to see yourself in other people and other people start to see themselves in you, and you start to understand that, you know, we're all really on the same journey here. We're just experiencing maybe different facets of it. And you start to have that camaraderie and that community and that support. And, you know, we start to work through these things in a group setting. It's just the, the miracles that take place are just so, so beautiful. And um, yeah, so that being said, I just want to let everyone know that we're going to be opening up for enrollment again soon. And, um, if, if, uh, yeah, if you want to be a part of it, that's it. I see Kate, Kate in the comments here. She says, if you do one course year, this year, this is it. So thank you for sharing that. Kate, Kate just graduated our most recent one. Um, I think Christy was on here earlier too. Christy was saying same thing. You know, every, everyone had a really amazing experience in this last program. Um, and thank you for jumping in with that, Kate. I appreciate that. So, yeah. Um, we'll be opening up for enrollment again on June 1st and, uh, just hope that, hope that we see a lot of you in there and we're going to have a really amazing group this time around. Um, aside from that, just sending all of you so much love to your life and whatever you're confronting right now, whatever you're being challenged by, whatever you're dealing with, you know, really, really try to find out what the spiritual part of you would have to say about it you know, rather than just constantly relying on your ego to inform you about things. And if, it's like working a muscle, you know, in the beginning, it's in the beginning, it's like, it's so weak. It, it's like, you don't even think it's there. You think you're tricking yourself. But as you, as you um, continue to, to develop that muscle and strengthen that muscle, what you start to develop is a, a connection to something so real and so profound and so powerful that is with you all the time, everywhere you go, that you just become empowered to create anything in life. And I, I see, I just want to read Michelle's comment. Michelle was also from the recent Inspired Love course. She says, the course is truly amazing and life-changing. I can't believe how much I've grown. So thank you, Michelle, as well. And beautiful having you in there. Yeah, it's just it's such a beautiful group. I really, really love all of you. You just touch my heart so deeply. Um, okay, so... With that, I'm going to close it out today. Thank you, everybody. Lots of love. Thank you for being with me as always. Many love, many blessings to you on your journey. And I'll see you back here next week. Okay. Lots of love. Goodbye. Thanks again for checking out the show. Please subscribe on whatever platform you listen to podcasts on the most. And I would love it so much if you leave a review and tell people what you think of us. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram at The Living Relationship to connect more closely. 
and I'm grateful to be supporting you on your journey to love.